Hello, I'm Nick Miller and this is The Sunday Miller. I'm on my way to the studio now. The weather's a bit crap. Friday was the autumn equinox. All things being equal, that's exactly halfway between the longest and the shortest days of the year. Not to be confused with the spring equinox or Rita from Coronation Street. That's Barbara Knox. Or that shit talent show from the 70s. That's opportunity. No, no, anyway, never mind. Um, I'll be uh, talking about how, now that we've got a king instead of a queen, so much has to change. Banknotes, coins, stamps, fountain pens, every stinking time. I, lo- I love the fact that he lost it a bit. Uh, the bloke who gave a pen to the king had one job. I've got a couple of pubs. I think the next one we take over, we'll call it the leaking pen and have a picture of Charlie with a word bubble saying, every stinking time. But do we need to change as much as we once thought? I mean, when did you last buy a stamp? And how do you know when you're getting old? Well, I'll tell you how I know. And if Putin gets even more desperate, how long before he calls you up to get blown up in the Donbass region? That sounds like a surgical operation. The new health secretary is just fluffing up your pillows now. Uh, Did you queue to see the queen lying in state? Or do you present this morning? And have you tried to flog your wristband? Could you recognise Liz Truss at a distance, unlike those Australian TV presenters? And what did you think of the Chancellor's financial statement? I've told you to stop going through his bins. So, all of that and more in this second podcast. But let's not forget that every now and again, the legendary Alan Dedicote, the one and only voice of the balls, will be saying things like this. Nick Miller, the voice of the common man. Very common. Well, it's not hard to think of the highlight of the news week, and it's been a very busy news week with Putin's willingness to kill more reluctant Russian conscripts and all the young men breaking for the border, the mini-budget, Trump being sued for fraud, admittedly that's a weekly event, the new health secretary Therese Coffey offered up her four-point plan to reform the health service, but unfortunately couldn't find her way to the House of Commons to make her pronouncements because she's only got an A to D road atlas. I'll grant you that's a bit of a niche joke in this age of sat-nav. Covid stopped us talking about Brexit. Ukraine stopped us talking about Covid. The death of the Queen stopped us talking about, well, just about everything else. The Tory leadership race, the cost of living crisis, Gemma Collins. Uh, The funeral was fascinating in that if you buried your own nan, then after about two hours of that same bagpipe music, you'd put down your volivants and leave the wake. But somehow it gripped us for six, seven, eight hours. We found ourselves focusing on minutiae, like where will Harry sit? Is Meghan invited? Is Joe Biden actually asleep? Hey, what? What's going on? Whose wedding is it again? I have to confess I'm never that comfortable in church, although I got married in one. When when does traditional become archaic? The language used in church is the very antithesis of the word relevant, and that gets that gets bandied around these days. And I think by far the worst example of something being so old-fashioned it becomes unintelligible are the hymns and the readings. Take, for example, the reading by Baroness Scotland, the Secretary General of the Commonwealth, who read the first lesson. To be honest, from my recollection, the first lesson was always painfully shit, especially if it was double maths. But here's a bit of what she read. Uh, the more it went on, the more I found myself saying, what? What is she on about? For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits. Afterwards they are Christ's at his coming. Then cometh the end. What? What are you saying, woman? 
For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall put on incorruption, and this mortal shall put on immorality, then shall be brought to pass saying that, well, I mean, what, etc., etc., for about a week of gobbledygook and repetition of gobbledygook. And to make it all the worse, she read it at a snail's pace, like she was determined to eke out her television appearance. Maybe she's being paid by the minute. I don't know. And then it was followed by the most politically incorrect hymn known to man or rather woman in this post Weinstein era. The Lord's my shepherd. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Does he now? Don't forget the pepper spray, love. The Sunday Mirror. More balls than the National Lottery. Not only did the Queen's passing bring out an extraordinary level of emotion across all ages and creeds and colours, it didn't just impact our nation, the world mourned. People from all 64 or 67 or whatever it is, members of the Commonwealth, descended on London to indulge in our national sport, queuing. We queued like no other nation queues. If there was a World Cup of queuing, we would win time and again, or at least until the Qataris bribed the judges to beat us at our own game. Americans and Brazilians and Scandinavians and Japanese and Eastern Europeans, apart from you know where, flooded in to mourn and to pay respects, and many queued for four or five days just to gain a vantage point for the funeral. Even David Beckham, who I have serious problems with these days, says to my mind he has no conscience in accepting filthy Qatari millions to promote the World Cup they stole from us, like he doesn't earn enough as it is. Where was I? Anyway, so yes, even David Beckham queued up for 12 hours, hoping not to be recognised in his hat, with David Beckham's hat written on the back of it. But I ask you this, selling wristbands, does anyone understand this? Wristbands were being sold for up to 10 grand on eBay. What would be the point of buying one if you weren't there? And kids, if your granddad tells you he queued up for 24 hours to see the Queen's coffin, just nod, he's a bloody liar. Imagine buying one to pretend you were there and then one of your mates says, hang on, this says Philip Schofield. For the hills, it's the Sunday Miller. When I was a kid, Qatar was just something that enabled you to persuade your mum to let you bunk off school. Now it's a grotesquely medieval Middle Eastern state that would still chop your hands off for stealing a pair of gloves. Male homosexuality is illegal in Qatar, with a punishment of up to three years in prison. And if you're a gay Muslim, you could face the death penalty. And I'm quoting here but evidently importing drugs, alcohol, pornography, pork products and religious books and material into Qatar is illegal. I'm I'm assuming that means religious books and religious material as opposed to smuggling material being illegal. (laughs) Arrest that man, he's smuggling polyester. Uh, Begging in Qatar has reduced significantly since the anti-beggary law, not to be confused with the anti-buggery law, was established in 2004. So they just outlawed begging, basically, harnessing this brilliant theory in the UK. We could just introduce an anti-poverty law, which would make it illegal to be poor. Um, Harsh punishments in the country are enforced by the Qatari Penal Code, which presumably means you're not allowed to have a penis either. There's no sign of capital punishment being abolished. and Public flogging is common, mind you. So is it down Camden Market. They'll flog you any old toot down there. Only joking, Camden. Only joking. Despite all of this, not only did the French equivalent of the Premier League allow the Qatari ruling family to buy Paris Saint-Germain by a country mile the most successful club in France to the point that their domination of French football is almost as boring as Celtic in the Scottish Premier League, but football's governing body FIFA allowed Russia and Qatar to win the rights to host successive World Cups. 
They won those tournaments by the most blatant industrial scale corruption ever witnessed in world sport. You know, the World Cup, the one that's always held in the summer. Well, this summer's World Cup is being held in December because somebody suddenly thought, hang on, doesn't it get a bit hot in Qatar in the summer? The current ruler of Qatar is Sheikh Tamim bin Hamad Al Thani. I'm hoping one day they'll be, they'll be ruled by someone called That Tree. So if I ever meet him in the greengrocers, I can ask him to pass me some fruit by saying, push pineapple, shake that tree. Nick Miller. A bit like a proper broadcaster, only cheap. Not the biggest week for sport, but we did witness the retirement of my favourite sportsman, and I emphasise sportsman in every sense of the word, Roger Federer. In my opinion, the best tennis player ever to walk the planet, but I am half Swiss, so I suppose I may be a bit biased. He's 100% Swiss, which probably accounts for his precision timing. Best I could do, really. Uh, Cuckoo Clocks and William Tell are the only other popular generalisations about the Swiss. Oh, and Emmental, but there were no holes in his game. <laughs> I'll stop this now. <clears throat> I'm, I'm not keen on what sometimes seems like British xenophobia towards Americans. They're brash, they're uncultured, they wear loud trousers. I mean, I mean, they do wear loud trousers, but all the Americans I've ever met are welcoming, generous, bright and enthusiastic, not afraid of change. And I think Brits can possibly be a bit cynical and guarded about that. What? Positivity? How dare you? I'm not afraid of change, but the new owner of Chelsea Football Club, you know, the one who replaced that Russian criminal oligarch who was illegally awarded mining rights by Boris Yeltsin. But but that's a, another story for another day. Todd Bowley, for it is he, believes English sport still has a lot to learn from the way competitions are run in the US. And I'll grant you what they call the draft system, whereby the lowest team in the league, uh, in what, what, what they call the Football League, which is actually NFL, gets first pick of the top players. And the team who won the league last time out have to end up with the spotty kid with knocked knees who always gets picked last in the playground. Todd Bowley wants four teams to be relegated from the Premier League rather than three. You know, relegation, like they don't have in Major League Baseball. He owns the LA Dodgers. I always thought that was Harry and Meghan, but apparently not. Um, Roly-poly Bowley would also never say hard no to a European Super League. You remember the Super League, the European Super League? It was proposed in April 2021 by 12 Euro European clubs, six of which were English, and two days later, massive opposition and protests from fans, players, managers, politicians and other clubs in England threw it out. No relegation there either, of course. He also wants an all-star football game between North and South. I assume he means just England and not the UK because they have those things in the States, but they have specific separate conferences. So it makes sense. They are regionally diverse. So how would you define what was North and South over here? We'll have Aston Villa. You can have Stoke. Um, as a United fan, I just have to say that I don't approve of the pretty vile way the fans treat the Glazer family, who are also American. They may not be everybody's favourite proprietors, but they are a family who own a football club, as opposed to being owned by a Middle Eastern country with appalling human rights records like Man City and Newcastle. I thought it was bad enough once when I took one of my daughters up to Old Trafford and some morons in the crowd were singing about the various ways they could kill Malcolm Glazer, the now deceased dad of the family. But then last week, when United beat the mighty Sheriff, from the Moldovan First Division in the Europa League, some fans unfurled a huge 20-foot banner saying, hang the Glazers. I did find that pretty, pretty appalling, but I must admit, I was thinking, Morrissey's from Manchester. He could put that to music. Hang the Glazers. No, no, enough of that. The Sunday Miller. Half an hour of your life you'll never get back. 
I said in the last podcast that it was only a matter of time until Vladimir Putin gets the Allen sugar treatment in the Kremlin, only not so much being fired as being fired at by someone, be it someone in his inner sanctum or some young kid's mum who doesn't want to see their son being sent to a certain doom in eastern Ukraine. I heard one uh, TV pundit this week refer to the conscription of innocent youth in Russia as state-sponsored murder. Basically, if you're dying to show how much you love the president, you'll be dying to show how much you love the president. Remarkably, Putin was apparently upset not to be invited to the Queen's funeral last week. He described the snub as being blasphemous. Now, I'm not saying that Vlad has a high opinion of himself, but the dictionary definition of blasphemy is an insult that shows contempt, disrespect or lack of reverence concerning a deity. In other words, God. Maybe that's what he has in mind for his next job once he gets bored with killing Russians. Maybe he sees himself overthrowing God, whoever she is. But I think if the likes of Theresa May can command a hundred grand for a public speaking engagement, Vlad could add several zeros to that. I'm not sure he's all that funny, mind you, but if he guest hosts on Have I Got News, he'll have auto cue anyway. Work for Boris. Or I could see him on The Voice. Actually, they could do a military conscription version of The Voice on Russian telly. So if Vlad Imir spins his chair around, you're in the army, son. The Sunday Miller. You wouldn't have to listen to this nonsense if you were in church. It's probably occurred to you in passing, as it did me, that uh, we'll have to change so many things now that we have a king. Never mind the national anthem, but then we'll only have to get used to changing one verse of that because nobody in the entire world knows the second verse. It's like old Lang Syne. Nobody's ever sung the second verse, ever. Not even Robbie Burns, probably. Uh, I mean, think about all the things that will have to be changed. Banknotes, coins, stamps. The front of post boxes, they all have ER embossed on them, although apparently there are still some GR post boxes around. That's George VI for the record. Um, Even humble barristers are affected. The ones who've been appointed by the monarch will have to change their title from Queen's Council to King's Council. So QC becomes KC. So here's the big question. Does Charles have a sunshine band? I realise if you're under the age of 800, you won't get that joke. But if you Google KC and the Sunshine Band, you'll realise how many times you've been absolutely shit-faced dancing to That's the Way I Like It at a wedding. But anyway, thanks to technological change, poor old Charles won't be anywhere near as visible as his mum has been. We use way less cash these days. And what about stamps? When did you last buy a stamp? When did you last write a letter, for that matter? When did you last go to the post office? more of which later. Even the old red phone boxes, they have a crown on them, and that's apparently a female crown, and the male crown is a different shape. But then, when was the last time you used a phone box? Nobody uses phone boxes these days. Oh, hang on. Superman's agent just called. The Sunday Miller. More balls than the National Lottery. I was talking earlier about the fact that I can't recall the last time I bought a stamp or the last time I went into a post office, but in fact, that was misleading because it was quite recently. And I have to confess to the fact that I'm beginning, albeit reluctantly, to embrace the ageing process. What age is it that you arrive at when you suddenly find yourself getting excited about very mundane things or moaning about the youth of today or music or whatever? When you realise that not only are police officers younger than you, but so are prime ministers or the small print on packets of stuff. Uh, But the getting excited about mundane things is rather worrying. I was in Tesco the other day, and I was excited about the fact that they had the type of bin bags I like. I actually did have to go to the post office recently, 
that in itself means I must be over 100. And, it, and I mean, a sub post office, not a proper one. And I had to queue up for a while because there was only one desk operating. And when I handed over my special delivery, I thought the woman ahead of me had left a MS Hessian bag for life. So I said, excuse me. And she, she looked around. Very attractive lady. Sorry, irrelevant, irrelevant. I'm not sure why I mentioned that. Apologies to the Me Too podcast content, please. Anyway, she, she turned around and asked if it was her bag. She said no. And when I was uh, talking to the post office lady, I was looking around to make sure that nobody else had nicked the bag. And I said to her, do you think anyone is going to come back for this? And she said, apparently not. Probably not, rather. So I asked if I could take it and I gleefully picked it up and clasped it to my chest like I'd just won an Oscar. And as I left the post office, I looked at the bloke behind me and we both laughed and I said, what have I become? It's the Sunday Miller. Just a quick word for those Australian news presenters who were attempting to identify dignitaries arriving at Westminster Abbey for the funeral, but couldn't identify Liz Truss. Admittedly, when Peter Overton and Tracy Grimshaw first saw her and her husband, they were getting out of a black Range Rover at some distance. But even as they were walking into the Abbey, Miss Grimshaw turned to her co-host and asked, who's this? They look like they could well be local dignitaries. Overton then said, not entirely sure who they are. Hard to identify. Maybe minor royals. Eventually, a producer whispered frantically in his ear and Overton added, I'm just told that was Liz Truss, the new prime minister. Local dignitaries, minor royals, sorry, but Anthony Albanese, anyone? Albanese is Australia's new prime minister. Never mind looking like a minor royal. He looks like a minor librarian. The love child of Michael Gove and Jimmy Cranky. Look him up. Actually, don't bother. The Sunday Miller. Half an hour of your life you'll never get back. Well, that's it from me this time round. Just a few questions to leave you pondering. The Cats Protection League. Does anyone know who won it? Am I safe wearing bamboo socks as long as I don't run into a load of pandas? And uh, we always talk about the third world and the first world. Where is the second world? Now, you may not agree with some of my opinions, but remember, in this polarised, divided world, please don't cancel anyone. They may just have a point. Who was it said, lend me your ears? Oh, yes, Van Gogh. He was a bit lacking in that department. I'd like to tell you what's in next week's podcast, but I can't because the news hasn't happened yet. See you next time. Sunday Miller, written and presented by Nick Miller. The special guest was not available this week. And special credit to the voice of the balls, Alan Dedicote. The Sunday Miller is an ultimate sound and vision production.